LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. All right, my friends, this is Steve, the Rogue Scholar. I am very, very sorry. It's been a couple days, but that's life, man. That's the way it goes when you're trying to hustle for a for a paycheck and you're trying to keep your family afloat. You do the best you can. Hats off to all the people that don't have those constraints and that can go live constantly. And hats off to you, man, because I know how hard it is. I know for me, I can't do it all the time. So if you bear with me, I promise you, I'll try and make sure that the time you spend with me is worth your time. So for those of you who are student debtors, myself, I am very, very much a student debtor. Um, you received an email most likely from the Department of Education telling you about how Biden is fighting tooth and nail to try and overcome the uh, Supreme Court BS and the Republican BS and all the conservative Democrats BS that didn't want to forgive student debt. Um, you can pretty much, you know, read the thing and just know the bottom line is, is that October 7th, I believe, uh, payments will resume. And I believe there's a one-year kind of, we won't report you to the credit bureaus for a year, but interest will still accrue. Okay. Now, for three years, I want you to understand something. For three years, no student debt had, had to be collected. Not, not at least federal student debt. Alt loans through private institutions, that's a totally different ball of wax. But as far as the federal loans go, none of them had to be collected for basically the past three years. And you know what? Nothing happened. No one died. The only difference was is that people had the slightest bit of breathing room, slightest bit of breathing room. And so as I went in to look at my loans, I realized that the interest beyond the principal was almost caught up to the principal. So my student loans in reality are about 87,000, but with the back interest, it takes it up to 122,000. And, uh, you know, through a whole series of forbearances and rough roads during layoffs and, uh, you know, marital problems and so forth you can put it on forbearance it does not stop the interest from accruing there was no stop and like i i've never ever taken on any form of debt in my life that had that kind of a weird accruing interest i mean it's it's the most bizarre perverse style of of debt that you could possibly put a human being in and when you think about that, the reason why people even took out student debt to begin with, aside from the fact that people were told all their lives, you know, keep your head down, do well in school, do your homework, do your studies, go to college, get a good job, marry, have kids, get a white picket fence, the American dream that we know is a lie. But once you get into that realm, right, the idea that you have, I mean, I want you to understand. So be, be me for just a minute. 
spent all night, all day drinking and drugging. You're a disaster. You're pissing the bed. You're barfing booze up everywhere. You're waking up in strange places. You're waking up in ditches with wrecked cars. Um, your whole life's falling apart. And all of a sudden you get sober and you're like, I want to, I want to redeem the time. So what do you do? You go ballistic getting education. You go ballistic trying to get trained up. And before long, you realize that you've gotten all this education because they say if you do these things, you get an MBA, you're going to have upward mobility. You get a this and that. And the other. You're going to have all this great road to the top. This is capitalism's great lie that it sells to workers, which is why workers don't unite, which is why workers don't fight together in solidarity, why you see parasites even in our own space talking about investment strategies and thinking about you know ways to benefit off of the unpaid wages of workers through stocks and so forth. Um, but this lie is so pervasive, right? And so all of us, I should say all of us, most of us that went and got deep into student debt, got deep into student debt with the idea that there would be an economy on the other side of that that would support that level of investment in time and sweat and equity that you put into your own career. Because again, this is what they sell you, okay? Now, I don't know who would bust somebody out for getting a master of business administration or a master of science in technology management, but it's certainly not gender studies, though I have no issue whatsoever with gender studies. I think we need more people studying gender for all I care. I really don't care, right? I think we need all kinds of people. I don't think we need to isolate people just to what the capitalists want you to do. I think we need to be able to train people up in all kinds of knowledge because we need all kinds of knowledge to thrive as a species. But alas, I did take the kinds of degrees that even the loser right wing would consider to be, um, you know, good. They'd consider these to be the right type of things. But of course, it's your fault if you can't find the kind of work at the pay that you want. And recently I applied for a job and I really wanted this job very badly. And I put my salary requirements in. And I can't say for certain, but on good, good word, I was told basically that my salary requirements were what cost me getting the job. Now, that doesn't mean it's true. Doesn't mean it's the only thing. But that terrified me because, uh, you know, based on my education, based on this capitalist society, based on all the pressures and the tensions that are there for a person expected to make it in this world. I had tried to redeem and do those right things, and it's still just not there. The money for careers just isn't there in most places. But the debt is, and the debt never goes away, and they never purge it. Even when they tell you that after 25 years or whatever, they're going to get rid of it. I mean, I'm 54 years old. Based on my life and my health and everything, if I live another 25 years, it'll be a minor miracle. So I'm not sure if I'll ever be free of this in the rest of my life. 
And lo and behold, come October 7th, that tsunami that hasn't been, you see the waves pulled way back and you're out there picking up the conch shells and the beach, that wave's getting ready to sweep us all away and there's no economy out there to support the kind of careers they sold as they sold you those degrees. You've been, we've all been victims of that personal responsibility mantra where we're supposed to go get our education. Companies aren't really paying for it anymore. Even good companies only pay a very small amount. You know, it used to be that, you know, like at Verizon, they would pay for, you know, most of your undergrad degree, which is a huge privilege if you work for them. That shouldn't be something specific to just one employer. That should be the way we value society. Because if we're really trying to get people to do jobs that we need done, and we're really trying to control costs, I don't know why we would, but let's just say hypothetically, why wouldn't the government itself just make it a right? Education is a right. And sure, everyone gets the education they need or want, they feel called for. So that they can go out there and do the jobs that society needs, that we need people to do, that we need as a culture to do, that we need to survive, incentivize those types of things. But alas, I'm barking up the wrong tree because in this world, in this particular uh, scenario, you know, we should understand by history that anything that frees the working class of the debt peonage they're put under means that they're that much less compliant, means that they're that much less willing to do whatever you ask them to do. And it takes away the control factor that the elite want and need and crave to keep their money wagons continuing to pour through the door. Now, on a slightly separate note, yesterday, was a very big day for folks in Washington, D.C. I've been a Washington football team, Commanders, Redskins fan my entire life, long-suffering. And I know that this is not 100% political, but in a way it is. But this team sold for $6.05 billion. And Daniel Snyder, the former owner of the Commanders, had to pay a $60 million fine for running a toxic workplace and for having uh, sexual uh, inappropriate uh, sexual harassment, I guess you would say, with some of the um, cheerleaders and the other staff. And because Daniel Snyder pinched so many pennies around the organization, they didn't hire enough people. There wasn't enough people doing the right things. The organization ultimately couldn't police itself, couldn't do the things it needed to do. So ultimately it started even stealing, stealing from the league, you name it. And $60 million fine. Think about what, just give me 150,000 of that $60 million fine. And my life has just radically changed. $60 million, just here, here's $6.05 billion. And little people like me and you who are trying to work, trying to survive, trying to take care of a family, 
we're going to get slammed as slaggards, as sluggards, as losers if we don't pay our student debt. And for the life of me, I can't understand how we allowed society to be this way. But that's the wrong question, isn't it? You know, the history of not just student debt, but the whole country has always been about keeping the people under wraps, making sure democracy is at a, a crippling crawl, that there is only a veneer of democracy. And you can see how many fucking very naive people still believe that you got a real democracy. It's painful to see good people I know and love actually believe, yes, Steve, I know, but in this other instance, it's really a good thing. And we're gonna, gonna vote this person in and just trust me on this, Steve. You just got it wrong. Go vote. But it's opium. It's hopium. And it distracts you from realizing that nobody is fixing the student debt problem and more kids are taking it on and the cost is going through the roof and there's going to be even higher student debt problems coming up. The economy is not growing the types of jobs that a good education would be necessary for. You know, I, I have a bunch of certifications. I have a bunch of them. I'm a certified project management professional from PMI, Program uh, Project Management Institute. I am a professional scrum master through scrum.org, the original scrum creators. I have the ITIL uh, version three foundation certification, which means I understand service management and basically the uh, layers of handling an IT organization. Um, and I also have graduate certificates, strategic management of technology and innovation and an undergrad certificate in IT project management. Folks, my resume is fucking enough to choke a donkey. Okay. Seriously. Two master's degrees graduate level certification, undergraduate certification, and then industry specific certifications with a professional graduate degree. And still will be struggling mightily to pay my student debt when it comes through. Now, if you look, they kind of cordon off certain very, very um, poor or, or low income families for help. which turns it into a form of welfare instead of a strategic investment in society, right? And this should bring you to the fundamental question of what creates an economy? What creates the economy that makes these degrees and the student debt matter? If you're selling PhDs, if you're selling master's degrees, there has to be jobs at the end of the rainbow to make that investment work. Otherwise, a person has a huge, I mean, you're, this is like rolling craps at a casino. It's like pulling a lever, you know, on one of the games, slot machines at the casino. 
It's like playing the lotto. It's like playing Keno and expecting to pay your bills. It's more of the gigification. It's more go buy Bitcoin and pray for God that it goes up again and down again and up again and down again, whatever. It is a completely unsustainable way of doing things. It's completely unsustainable, not just for the people, but for society. But then, oh, wait, wait, wait. You look at the organizations that hire the creators, the job creators. And businesses have become largely stock portfolios, investment portfolios. They're not creating anything anymore. We had a guy named um, Eric Dean come through a few, I guess it was about a year ago, on Macro and Cheese. And he talked about how corporations, these conglomerates, these multinationals, they don't really create anything. They just own a bunch of things. They're like capital. They're like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, venture capital. They're more like uh, equity firms. And they run companies with the express purpose of extracting profit, not of being sustainable, not of producing value, not of developing products and it's pure fire sector nonsense. The entire capitalism that we live in is finance capital. And with that in mind, there isn't the kinds of jobs that higher education allows for. And yes, higher ed is basically multi-level marketing now. That's exactly what it is. If you know people, if you go to the right school, which means you knew people already. Some of those more elite schools use that legacy to provide people the jobs that will enable them to succeed and have great, wonderful, bourgeois lives. But for everybody else that has to go to these schools and stuff like that, you know, my friends that, you know, I see that are doing well, somehow or another, we're able to avoid the divorce bug. Hats off to you. Most people have not been able to avoid that. Um, and they were able to go to the military and not get killed in action and got pensions and seed money to start their lives. And I don't want to go, I don't want my kids to go, I don't want anyone to have to go to the military to be able to set themselves up. But alas, without a draft, you have to do something. And if everybody's educated, they're not going to want to go fight in a war. And if you're not willing to fight in a war, but you sign up for the military, you kind of got your head screwed on backwards. And yet, the possibilities of being able to survive and thrive post-retirement, it's a pretty seductive charm. The idea you can get fit. You can go see great new places, go to new port cities in Greece and around the world. Learn all this great technology, sonar and how to fly a plane and 
and become a doctor, a field medic. You can learn how to work on radios. You can do all this stuff. They, they train you up without the debt. It's amazing to me how much military service ends up giving people basically a socialist society for themselves only. Everybody else is just on the outside looking in. So, you know, I oftentimes wonder, you know, if I had been born into a family and I wouldn't want to be born in any other family than the family I was born into, but if I was born into a family that had it going on and had the money to pay for every problem and issue that I came into and was able to make sure I didn't have college debt and so forth. You know, I would, uh, I wonder where I'd be right now. I wonder, I wonder what it would have been like to born, be born with different parents, you know, love my parents would not trade them for the world, but because they're part of the failing of our society as well. You know, it leaves you wondering, you know, God, it must be nice to be born on the other side of the street where shit just sort of is given to you because you're a, you're a Wagner, you're a Johnson, you're a Smitherman or whatever the fuck name, right? And so, you know, the alternative here, and I see my buddy Shane there. I hope you're doing okay, my friend, but I see the job guarantee come up and here's the problem with the job guarantee, right? It's not a problem with the job guarantee. Job guarantee is fine, but the job guarantee is the base case. It is the wage floor. It's not intended to be the uh, the career path, right? And yet, at the same time, you know, when you think about a job guarantee, if everybody is making a certain amount of money, in order to get them off the job guarantee, you got to meet or beat that, as we've talked about in the past. So that, in a way, is a leg up, but it doesn't fundamentally change the fact that because there is a class war on labor and because we have exported production all around the world and because our corporations are no longer producing things but are simply managing stock portfolios, Job guarantee still doesn't really lend you to going into good careers outside of that. So I'm wondering, I guess, why we can't get more people understanding how student debt is, you know, created and how it's paid off and what the value to society would be if in fact we just canceled all student debt, made college free completely. I was just on a really, really fun podcast that you guys, we shared it around, but if you haven't caught it, the show is called Busted Pencils. And uh, it's a couple PhDs that focus on education and stuff, really uh, very much a kindred organization in their own right. Probably a little bit more mainstream than uh, than we are. <laughs> Not probably, definitely. <laughs> 
But during my talk, you know, the light bulbs went on with these guys. They understood that our entire economy is based on misery. They sell you in the commercials all the glory and the joy and the excitement. They make the place where you sign on the dotted line look like the Taj Mahal. Oh, you got the angels and choirs playing harps as you're signing your life away. And then as soon as you go home, you get an overpriced textbook of, you know, like $500 textbook that will only be used for one semester. Um, and really at the end of the day, the whole misery of this economy and society is glossed over by the vast majority of people because it's too hard to look at. It's too hard to stay focused. I see good people, good people that work in RP, that are around RP, that have listened to RP, that have seen RP, that fall back into whataboutism and looking at other issues as if somehow or another focusing on the symptoms is really fixing the core, core uh, problem. And it's hard to stay focused. I, I admit that. I understand it's hard to stay focused. But in reality, when you look at what society is dealing with, is about to deal with, going back to the crash of 2008 and 2009, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Many, many older people, people older than myself were displaced and they had to sit there and deal with joblessness and losing everything late in life. So many of them went back to school to try to reinvent themselves. In that process of trying to reinvent themselves, they ended up being deeply in debt. They only have, I mean, if you think about it, your your sweet spot for earning in this capitalist system, and we live in capitalism, whether you like capitalism or not is irrelevant to this conversation. I fucking hate it. And I hate those that bitch at people that try and do well in capitalism because they're just trying to take care of their family. But in reality, we're all the working class. We're all slaves to the system. We need to undo this fucking system not bitch at people for wanting to be executives or wanting to take care of their family. We want to make sure that we're not that person. Okay. Cause that person isn't a good look. We want to make sure that we keep the United nature. We want to keep solidarity among the working class, whether it be those who are not making as much because who sets the fucking salaries, by the way, folks, is it the people going for the job or is it the people that own these companies. Because trust me when I say this, I've never set a price in my life. I've never been able to say, this is the cost of your job. I've just applied for jobs. And whatever I get, I get. Whatever I can accept, I accept. You don't have a lot of choice in this world. This is where you're at. And it disgusts me to see the little people at the bottom bickering about who went to school, who didn't go to school. Why should I pay for your errors? Why should, why should you move up the food chain? Why shouldn't I move up the food chain? Blah, 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 blah. This whole fucking system needs to be undone. It's us bickering at the labor class, at the working class, bickering instead of focusing on who did this to us and why 
they did this to us, how we can undo it, okay? Something disgusting about the working class punching each other. Something grotesque. And I see it happen so fucking much, makes me want to throw up. And when you think about how bad it really is, because you even when you get to whatever the top of the working class is, there's a locked vault at the top. You're not getting past it. And there's a million things trying to claw you back into the barrel. There is no escape. That's what the system does. Even when you think somebody's got it going on, they don't have it going on. And so a lot of this disgraceful envy, disgusting judgment about people that went to school and have student debt, and I shouldn't have to pay for your student debt. All that disgusting, grotesque, misaligned ignorance misses the fundamental issue. The school has already been paid. There is nothing more. There is nobody losing money. The only people that lose money at all aside from the person desperately trying to make it in a society that is cruel and wrong and shitty, is the student debt servicing companies that skim money off that because in the end, this money that the government receives back, the government doesn't need your money. It doesn't do anything with your money. It acts as a tax. The federal government doesn't respend U.S. dollars. So in the end, it's just they decide not to collect it and they zero it off the books. They created the money to begin with and then they choose to forgive it. Think about the PPP loans. This is a great point that they brought up on the Busted Pencils podcast the other night. Those PPP loans that were forgiven, many of them were way more than the student debt loans but they were for the bourgeois. Nobody complained about taxpayers paying for the PPP loans because no taxpayer paid for the PPP loans. Okay, the minute you bring up student debt, there's some fuck stick that will point at you and say, you shouldn't get help. And worse, there's somebody that didn't do any school that instead bitches at the person that did. It's disgraceful. It's disgusting. It's perversion. Okay, And it's the kind of envy that you see frequently that kills progress, that destroys progress. And I see the people that do it too, and I know them to be enemies of the class, class traitors. Class traitors for trying to keep other people down, trying to keep them from relieving their student total class traders they're class collaborators with the rich with the capitalist class now they may not realize they are but don't you fucking forget they are they are absolutely class traders we need to be freeing the working class from the burden of capitalist debt we need to be going out of our way to free people from capitalist debt. 
If you listen to my discussions with Devarian Baldwin on the universities, you know that the universities are taking over total towns. They're using their nonprofit status to get big major corporations in there on part of their nonprofit land to set up shop for studies. They got private police kicking the people that live in the communities off campus, unelected, un, non-public police. Everything comes back to private property, comes back to ownership class. And I'm very disgusted to see people that are so myopic, so unbelievably off-putting in their myopic nature that they don't realize that canceling student debt doesn't cost the taxpayer a nickel, not a penny. And it wouldn't cost you shit, even if you paid your student loans. I liken this to slavery. Just imagine if you watch Django Unchained and you remember the Samuel Jackson, Stephen, <laughs> Stephen of all people, right? Stephen was the master's right-hand man, his, his guy. He didn't want to see Hilda, Broomhilda, free. He didn't want to see Django free. He felt like they were uppity. I mean, I mind you, this is total drama. But you get the point. There are always somebody there that doesn't want to see other people succeed to have a chance to breathe, to survive. The student debt tsunami is coming and it doesn't cost taxpayers a penny to fix. Every single person that knows modern monetary theory knows full well that the government doesn't have money, doesn't need money because it creates money. And by creating this permanent handcuff, this ball and chain to students and families, it's not helping society. There aren't jobs. Fix the fucking jobs and the student debt is not a big deal. I mean, I'm telling you, I think we should get rid of it. I think it should be just education as a national investment. But that fundamentally would make you believe that society is built for each other. But instead, it's built to serve the capitalist class. Good people that have heard this podcast many times still don't get the relationship. They still don't understand. They still think we're going to vote our way there. They still really believe in their core of cores that we're going to vote our way there. They can't get past their own blind spot. They want so badly to believe that it's just as simple as reforming the Democratic Party or voting for some good union people or doing this and that. It requires a hell of a lot more because if you've ever played a video game, you know that each level has a boss, right? Well, they have created traps throughout this video game 
to prevent democracy from ever reigning, you know, winning the day. They've created traps throughout to make sure that debt is always going to be on the people. They've created stoppers throughout the entire maze that you've got to traverse to survive, to make sure that it's hard as hell. These are horrible conditions to impose on people, but that is what the United States does. Now, the rest of the world is starting to catch up because United States' top export is neoliberalism. But in the end, when that debt hits, right now they're going to give you a one-year grace period. You're going to make your payments for that year. If not, interest is going to accrue. And when the year ends, next October, I guess, if you don't make your payments, they're going to start reporting you to the uh, credit agencies. And once they start reporting you to the credit agencies, then you can't even get, I have to, I'm, I'm in desperate shape, need loans. Now, all of a sudden, you're in that payday lender area and they've created a permanent lower class, a permanent underclass that is trapped and desperate and has no chance of ever getting out of it. And it's mostly because we keep thinking we can vote our way there. It's also because there's a lot of disgraceful people that ignore the macroeconomics so they won't organize around the macroeconomics. They blow it off like it's not a big deal, like it's some other issue, like it's not the issue. It is the issue to go with, of course, a non-functioning democracy. Okay? There are so many things that are baked into the punitive nature of student debt and taxes and everything else that if you don't understand how it works, if you don't understand how the system, regardless of what political party you're forced into, the system itself is intended to reinforce itself Going back to the founding documents, they did everything they could to prevent any kind of radical change. Recent interview I did on macaroni and cheese with my guy, One Dime, Tony from uh, One Dime Radio, talked about it quite specifically, that we are in an inverted totalitarian society. We believe in these performative acts that they allow us to sort of feel like we're contributing but in reality they give us a voice they just don't give us agency to make any of those changes reality and there's only a small group of people that really understand that most y'all and probably sadly many of you all still believe that there's this just a couple more progressives away and we'll win this thing It really, really breaks my heart to know that I'm screaming into a pillow. It really does. Um, yeah. I mean, you look around, and even the people that are talking about student debt 
or just simply saying, hey, this is immoral, okay? It's immoral. It doesn't change the fact that you haven't answered the question of why Republicans won't be on the hook for paying off your student debt. It doesn't change any of that. Doesn't change any of it. So what happens when people are putting $500 a month out to a student debt industry that those monies, except for the amount that are agreed upon by the federal government for those loan servicers, um, that they skim, the rest of it's gone. It's deleted. It doesn't matter anymore. The, it just, the government's debt is done. It's over. And when you take out a loan at a regular bank, the bank keeps the interest and the rest of it, the, the core money, the, the new money that they use through IOU credit creation uh, is vanishes. It's gone. It's, it's purged. It's zero. Just like, uh, you know, just like a reserve when it comes to the government spending. We're watching us champion people just throwing their money into the trash, into a shredder, all in the name of, well, I paid my student debt. You should too. But what happens when the government takes out more money from the economy than it puts in? You get a recession. You get a surplus. It's not a surplus. Surplus being that they took out more of the economy than they put in. Not that they have a big old fat stack of dollars sitting in a corner waiting to be respent. Government never respends money. It never spends tax dollars. Tax dollars are literally deleted they're purged they expunge and bleed off and drain reserves in the banking system that's it they're never respent never respent never respect your tax dollars are never respent not on student debt not on abortion not on bombs for israel not on bombs for Ukraine and tanks for Ukraine, not on the military-industrial complex, not on anything ever. So it's we, the people, that allow this myth to enslave our brothers and sisters and our neighbors and the rest of the working class and it's got to be up to us to change that. Because they're not going to change. Their job in Congress is to protect the capital order. And even when they do the performative thing, even when they act like they're your representative, they can't represent you because the system doesn't allow them to really do any of the things we think they're there to do. There's an article that somebody pointed me to about the the two he, two problems that we must deal with to deal with um, democracy in this country. <laughs> One of them was that you know we didn't keep up with population for proportional representation in Congress, and that was always constitutionally mandated. We should have a much much larger Congress. 
should not be so easy to control which votes go where. Should not be so easy to control all the election races. And the other one is gerrymandering. All these things are a veneer because no matter who gets in charge, the system itself has bylaws and trap doors and all kinds of ways of blocking the agency. You could say all sorts of things. Country lets you talk shit. It just doesn't give you any avenue to exact your political will. There is no path for direct democracy at this point. And my friends that I love so much are convinced that I'm wrong. They're convinced that I'm wrong. And exactly, eliminate the Senate and the Supreme Court. But they're convinced that I'm wrong. They're convinced that, Steve, you just don't, it's just, it's just a lot of hard work. We just gotta, we just gotta vote. We just gotta door knock. We just gotta phone bank. We just, eh, we just gotta. Their brains cannot handle that they're living in a real life Truman show where the electoral process is meant to absorb energy, keep you believing that you've done something good, give you something to celebrate at the end of the day and send you back to the debt peonage that you live in. And there's enough people out there doing just well enough that you can forget about it after a while. But why else does someone take out student debt than to get a good job? You've been born into capitalism through no fault of your own. You were thrust from grade school all the way through to believe in a myth. Your teachers were paid to teach it to you. Your churches were paid to teach it to you. Your television was paid to teach it to you. Everywhere across the board, you were taught that this is the only way, that there is no alternative. And so a guy like me sits up here and screaming out, there is an alternative. We have to build parallel systems. Oh my God, that's scary. What does that mean? It means we need to have a way to support each other via legal aid through, I, I, mutual aid is a very temporary thing. It's not meant to be the ongoing way of survival. We need to find ways of getting food to people. We need to find ways of getting political clout, whether it be in organizing and being able to take direct action. But if you're constantly just going back into the Democratic Party and going off to a bougie party and not thinking about anything, nothing will fundamentally change, as Jolt and Joe Biden said from Jump Street. Anyway, I am... Very, very, um, I'm very pessimistic that anything is going to change. Not because there isn't a pathway to change, but because too many people are distracted and caught up in bullshit. They don't have a class analysis, so they think their other working class people are their enemy. They don't understand economics, so they say whatever the fuck they want to say. They won't lean in and take activism seriously. It's always the last thing on the agenda instead of the first thing on the agenda. 
I'll get to those fun things after I've done some good volunteering, after I've done some good organizing. I'll get to the other binge watching of Netflix later. I've got work to do. I've got fucking shit to get done. I got some lives to save. I got some people I've got to educate on economics. I've got some books I've got to fucking read so I can be smart enough to talk about it. That right there, it's about priorities. And the people that took out student debt prioritized success for their families. They were sold a lie. And now it's being used as a cage. We've got to stand up and fight back. We've got to do whatever we can. I, I don't know what the answer is in terms of what direct action would be the right course. What specific path forward to shock the system to make this go away. But there's just not enough people willing to do it. They're always, when you talk to them, it's like they, they run away. It's too, oh, I don't, he's going to ask me to, he's going to ask me to do some volunteering. I can't. Oh shit, it's that guy. Better not answer. Ignore. I'm I I'm I'm very, very um disappointed in people's priorities as they elevate things that are fun and just push aside the important shit. And you're so right, Sugar. There we go. Right there. I'm going to read this one. Revolution is the only way, but we have no vanguard party. You think about this. What I'm talking about by organizing outside the system, parallel system, is in effect the development of a vanguard. Not as an electoral body, because I don't believe the system we have today will allow that. I don't believe third parties can break through. I believe they'll be absorbed because when you are the gatekeeper and your job depends on blocking out populism, blocking out external voices, eliminating options, you're not going to let a third party in the door to have any real power. You're not going to allow it. So the only way to make that happen, and I don't even mean the third party stuff, but to allow us to have that voice is outside of that process, outside of it, uniting as the working class. It's a tall order, folks. I can't lie. But you've already seen how stupid it is to think you're voting your way there. And if your brain hasn't caught up to that reality yet, give it another shot. Keep trying. 50th time's a charm. Hundredth time's a charm. Thousandth time is the charm, right? You got a good friend. He's running for office. You don't fundamentally understand as good a friend as that is. And they believe they're going to do great things. The system itself has got barriers to making them irrelevant. It's very, very challenging to see this because it sounds like you're giving up and I'm not giving up. I'm far from giving up. It's the opposite of give up. I'm trying to expose you to another truth, a truth that, like modern monetary theory, 
allows you to see the democracy lie as it is. Not that democracy is a lie, but the sham we have in the United States is a lie. All right, with that, here's a super chat. Danny, thank you so much for the super chat, my friend. I really appreciate it. Um, you know, we are a nonprofit and we very, very, um, very much a struggle trying to get through any of this. Um, we, we, we do our best with a very, very shoestring budget. So every one of your super chats, every one of you that donate to our Patreon account, um, Patreon forward slash real progressives, um, Every time you support our content, you support our, our work, um, it helps us just a little bit more. And we try and do our best. We do lots of webinars, lots of book clubs. We give books away like crazy, okay? But it all comes from support from you guys. There's no big billionaire benefactor coming through. There's no rich corporation coming through. There's just you guys. So when you guys donate a dollar, 50 cents, $10, Danny, thank you so much. Double K usually dropping 49 99s in there and others who are donating to our Patreon. It's a huge deal. And my final thought for the day is I want to give a shout out. He can't see it because he's passed away. But one of our longtime donors and someone who used to show up to all of our programs charles yaker passed away and um i was in there answering patreon stuff the other day and all of a sudden noticed that charles had stopped his um, donations and he had been a donor for many years and uh, i replied back i was like oh no i hope we didn't do something that you know sorry you're you're leaving us basically and the daughter came in and said hey you know Dad really, you know, appreciated your guys' work, but he passed away. And so, I, you know, I put, I stopped the payments, but, you know, the world's a better place with dad in it and he's gone. So anyway, I just want to give a shout out to our guy, Charles Yaker. Been a great supporter, was tremendously valuable to me as an individual. I knew he had been sick. Um, he had sent me some messages um, but he didn't know he passed until, uh, until the donation stopped coming through, but he would send me lots of good information. And, um, anyway, Charles, you'll be missed buddy. I will keep fighting on your behalf. Thank you so much for all you've done. And for everybody else that joined us today, uh, thank you so much for it. And please, if you can, um, like, and subscribe to our channel. It really does help. I know that you probably hear it from everybody. Um, so I get it, but we are literally up against the most incredible freaking strangulating power of the algorithms. I'm not sure if it's the content. I'm not sure if it's the length of time. I'm not sure if it's the time we go live. I'm not sure if it's our promos. I'm not sure what it is, but we need help. So if you are listening to this and checking it out and you thought the content was good, please subscribe, click the bell on so you get notified and leave comments, interact with us so that we can drive up that engagement because we've got to do whatever we can to get this message out. And hopefully we're a value and you see value in what we're doing. And so with that, I am Steve Grumbine. I am the Rogue Scholar. 
and I'm out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org. Thank you.